Welcome to the podcast, Navigating Your Mind, Achieving a Life of Peace, Joy, and Happiness with our host, Christopher Walton. Christopher is a father, licensed clinical social worker, entrepreneur, author, and keynote speaker. He is dedicated to living a full life and teaching other skills that will help them live a full life as well. We hope you enjoy listening in and learning ways to navigate your mind and overcome anger, anxiety, and depression to achieve the life full of peace, joy, and happiness that you've always wanted. Okay, um, this is uh, the um, this is East Idaho Therapy podcast, and today we have a special guest with Maria Ross, who is a a therapist here at East Idaho Therapy, and we also have Lauren Jansen, who is our intern from BYUI. So appreciate everybody being here. Um, today we're going to be talking about uh, navigating uh, support as an adult, and so uh, Maria is going to talk about that. Before we get into that, I want Maria to talk about herself and where she comes from and, and who she is. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Of course. So yeah, my name is Maria. Um, originally, our family is from the islands of Tonga, which is in the South Pacific region, south of Australia. Um, I was born in Australia, and then when our family moved back or went back to Tonga, and then when I was four, that's when we migrated to Idaho, and I've kind of been here and raised here in the Boise area. So that's kind of like the gist of my background. That's the gist of the background. Um, I think it's really cool that you, you came from Australia. And, you know, that I think that's really awesome. Uh, we don't get a lot of people in Idaho Falls area that are originated there. And, uh, and then in being in Boise, what's it like being in Boise? Because um, I think you're in Napa, is that right? Or are you in Boise itself? Napa, which is like a couple of towns, like west of Boise. West of Boise, okay. And um, and then you've been with us now for how long? Uh, close to three months. Three months. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tell us a little bit more about your background and what you've been up to. Who are yeah. You? Um, well, <clears throat> I'm very much into sports. That's definitely like my really my hobby and interest growing up. Um, and then my dad is actually a pastor. So religion is definitely a, a part of my backbone as well. Like just everything that I look at, it's things or whatnot, it's really influenced by religion. I can't really help it. That's just how my upbringing was really brought up. Um, and then let's see, I went to actually Idaho State and completed my undergrad there as well as my master's. So I was actually there for eight years or six years and then I moved back to Boise um very different out in the southeast compared to Boise and so right. I so I definitely felt a little bit more comfortable coming back to Boise um and that was just like a big experience for me out there and so then being back here um I jumped in and started working for a local agency here and did a lot of like teamwork and the crisis center we also i also worked at the boise crisis center there for almost two years and then i worked into the schools and provided outreach counseling therapy for students in school rather than seeing them at the office just to help with scheduling and consistency with kids um and so that has been a really like empowering experience just working like in different environment and growing my professional development and then when the pandemic happened, that is when I had to take a personal choice and um, step away from work and became a stay-at-home mom. And that, I thought it was like, oh, awesome. I don't have to work anymore. <laughs> Little did I know, <laughs> transitioning to a mom is definitely a lot more exhausting and like a different mentality than working in the field. And I was doing that for a year and a half. And then when December came, I was like, I really would like to go back and work and give myself some break from just motherhood. And so um, a colleague of ours, Sarah, is kind of like the one who been persisting on getting me back in since like, I think last year, around January or so. And so it was around December, the second interview with you is where I like, I really need to get 
back into this field. Um, I need my mental health. <laughs> and so that's kind of like why I'm kind of where I am is, and that's kind of like why it's really personal with the navigating support was once I became a stay at home mom, I had like a huge differences in access to support when I'm always at home. Like I lost my colleagues and lost like just any type of connections with like the community I had in networking because I just had the kids with me 24 seven. And there were three and one. So I couldn't really put them in school or whatnot. So yeah, that's so kind of- A yeah. lot of isolation around being alone with little kids and uh, not knowing how to reach out and have more friends and connections with other people. Right, yeah. And I think honestly too, is like from my upbringing, I've been really sad that I was gonna be this very career-based woman and then so my whole mentality is very like intellectual conversations and wanting to learn and that was just my normal so when I got into home life and my kids are like barely you know using uh language I was like what am I doing like this is like not my not my comfort at all I really had to learn to kind of step back and really I guess reteach myself how to speak their language and that was a lot of patience and a lot of changes that I had to do emotionally as well. And so that is why I think it was such a huge struggle for me personally, was just, that's a huge difference from going from colleagues to oh, yeah. a three and a one-year-old that gets basically whatever they want. <laughs> so very different, like compromises were communicated. And how, how do you, how does your hand, husband handle it? Because you've been together now for how long and that's a little uh, bit six years so we had a kid after our first year um he was actually the stay-at-home dad at the start so when okay. I was in school or in doing my work and whatnot full-time he was the one home and doing his degree and so he has more patience and more of a I think that parental connection with our kids at such a young age so then we switched because he was getting to his master's. And so, and he was, he got a job in like a more of a project management employment. And so we just took the choice and me going to stay home. And then he focuses on his career in schooling. So this was a big shift for you going from being that responsible, intellectual, uh, career oriented back to the home life and taking care of the kids and then, you know, the house and everything else that goes along with it. Uh, that's a massive transition um, for you. Yeah. What, what have you discovered with that? Oh, just like, again, like the isolating feel. Um, just that not really my similar inner interest that I had with my colleagues and friends at that time did not at all correlate with my personal experience. So a lot of my colleagues didn't have kids at that time or... Uh, weren't even really married either and so I couldn't really like connect with them unless I, we, I was always bringing up past stories or past agencies or whatnot so it wasn't like a, a growth for me in my social setting it was more like I was a setback and having so to it, develop new has friends. it been hard for you to reach out and find new people to be friends with and have a connection with as an oh, adult, I, it's different because you're not in school anymore. You don't have friends right. kind of yeah. built in. Oh, I think so. Like, definitely. Like I said, like going to college, oh, like, or school or whatnot, or sports, I had access to friends just in my schedule. Um, but now being at home, it was really hard for me just to find who to even connect with. And um, besides family, and um, that could, you know, family have the, their own background stories as well. Yeah. And so creating my own social network um, was very difficult. Um, and I tried um, different ways of how to connect um, with other parents or just other moms in the area as well. So it's kind of like, it's back on that lack of support uh, that are the reasons for the losses of support, I guess. And that is that you, before you had your colleagues and your friends and a lot of built-in people and then you go home and then there's not that as uh, much happening there except for taking care of your kids. I guess you can reach out to your friends 
they're not around as much. And it's, you have different stories you're talking about, you know, from uh, nursing and maybe, or changing diapers and, oh, right. you know, <laughs> happening on, you know, YouTube today, uh, as opposed to maybe what they're doing with uh, the, the old life versus this new life. Uh, it's got to create some emotion around that, I would be uh, my guess. Oh, definitely. I think there was moments where I lost a lot of motivation because I just didn't feel like I had the energy to even pick up a book or continue with any workshops that was counseling related um, just because I would have to navigate it around the kids' schedule because I was their 24-7 caregiver in my husband's schedule. And so by the time that's done, I was just exhausted. And so mentally exhausted as well, emotionally exhausted that I just didn't really have the energy to even pursued any of them, any of my interest to even help with like self-care or cope with like the lack of and that was a huge challenge for me was just not having the energy like, so for having kids did you have any issues ever making friends how did that work out for you oh no like friends was like definitely like network um family of course was there but Friends was definitely very much that they became my second family or they were getting integrated into my family life. And so I was very big on socializing. And I think that was like the biggest challenge was I couldn't just like call my friends and go over to their house or whatnot, just because I really had to care about my kids like environment and what was like comfortable and safe for them. And so it was really based on their schedule and their tantrums and their like, needs and stuff. <clears throat> but yeah, I think that was why it was harder for me was because that lack of, uh, just lack of connection, which is such um, a normal thing. Lack of connection is probably so big for parents among the world. You know, you're just one of many that deals with that struggle and you probably feel some sort of guilt in saying that, which is unfortunate that parents have to feel that way. But, you know, it's the comments from society like, oh, well, you chose this role. You chose to have children. And and probably you saying that you've had a harder time making friends and that it's been draining and emotionally taxing might make you seem selfish or as if you don't love your kids as much. So how have you grappled with that, with trying to recognize that you need a social life and you need to take care of you? but also that you are not neglecting your children or resenting them. Yeah, that was definitely more like a mentality that I had to develop on my own and being able to kind of create that space for myself that it wasn't a selfish feeling, that this was definitely a space where um, taking care of my mental health was going to provide a safer space and a better parenting for my kids because we get a um, just a more happier, comfortable, more patient parent if I was taking care of my mental health. Um, I think the hardest part was me voicing that, what I needed because of that guilt of like, oh, you need time away from the kids. Wow, you must not like your kids. And it's like, no, they're great. They're actually really good kids. They listen really well. It was just, they were so needy 24 seven. I was getting stimulated, overly stimulated um, by the end of the day, because of the needs that needed, the touches, uh, um, just the communication and whatnot. And so I think that was just where all my energy was being spent on. And Did so, you have any postpartum after that? No, nope. I, I went and double checked. <laughs> I went and saw okay. my doctor because I was really concerned just like where I was at and, um, and it was, they felt like, no, I got tested. No, I'm not there. And so then it's kind of like the mentality too with myself, like I'm not there, then what's going on? Like right, right. Yeah. It's oh being overwhelmed by taking care of the kids, and it's a big change of schedule and change of everything you were doing. So, but but a lot of women will have the mental health concerns you're talking about, anger, anxiety, depression, that the emotional neglect. Right. Um, talk about those things a little bit. Yeah. So I think with that, um, self-care was always instilled into my schedule growing up as well when I was in college and then being in the mental health field that was something they really pushed and educated on during grad school and so spending time for myself was like a need and a must 
Um, and I think that was allowed when I was working because like during my lunches, I can have time to myself. Uh, during my drives to work, I can have time to myself. And then when I have a client that was like canceled, that was again, another time for myself that I was able to kind of just gather myself or ground myself wherever I'm at. And so being 24 seven, and kids who don't nap, <laughs> it was like, what? Like, when am I supposed to like find time? You don't even like, again, I learned more insight of just like moms or even stay-at-home dads, like going to the bathroom is not even allowed. <laughs> and so I was like, what? And so I think it was really that experience where like, you don't get any break. And so I right. started like right. really like regretting like, oh my gosh, those lunches, those cancellations from clients. I'm like, where are my cancellations with my kids? <laughs> no cancellations now, not with that going on. Uh, right. Because I think there's a lot of chronic loneliness in those situations because you're by yourself and you're not being mentally stimulated like you've been in the past. Right. And so I think that's where there's a lot of ang ang angst, ang uh, anxiety, and sometimes feelings of worthlessness, helplessness, right. hopelessness. And so depression becomes a rather a big issue for a lot of moms uh, in those transitions. How have, you, how have you been able to cope with that? What have you done that's been able to create a, a, a different outcome than maybe what other people you've seen? Um, I honestly feel like it's just a support with my husband. The fact that he was a stay-at-home dad, we were able to connect in such a deeper understanding that I feel like a lot of my other friends didn't have with their um, partners. And so he was able to really provide a space where he would take the kids as soon as he get home from work and take them to play while I had like hours to myself to kind of like lay on the couch and just like basically <laughs> be brain dead for like a little bit. Like it was never productive, but it was just like, I needed that quietness to kind of gather myself. And so I honestly think the fact that I had a very supportive understanding husband that's been there allowed for this possibility to be more, um, more successful. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So it's it's you're lucky to be able to have a man who's there to understand those needs and those wants. And so it sounds like you guys uh, have been able to communicate that real well. What 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 skills do you think you've used to be able to increase your communication for him to understand? Maybe his his willingness to be a stay at home dad it was a, a gift for sure. Uh, a lot of men are not willing to necessarily do that. Uh, so you had a, a, a great opportunity. What, what, what kind of communication skills do you think you were able to utilize with him to be able to help him understand? Yeah, I think what helps me is just the fact that my emphasis in my counseling is family marital counseling. So a lot of my tools Can actually, it, it does, yeah. So, I mean, my focus was based on family marital and communication. And so I was able to really um, advocate and really talk to him and using terminology that wasn't blaming. So I was never blaming him for not, uh, for my situation or my emotions. And I took it to where I was using the I statement, you know, being able to tell him this is how I feel. And this is nothing to be, you know, because of you or the kids, like you guys aren't harming me. But this is just like my um, transitioning process. And so I think being able to really talk about from like, this is me and my problem and really um, advocating for my needs in a way that's like supportive. So like, I'm not blaming you. I'm not trying to compute in any way. I am trying to really express that this is just a different experience for me than it was for him. And, um, and I think being able to not put the blame on him or the kids allow for a safer response from him. It's yeah, awesome that you have that skill set and that knowledge, because I think that that is so advantageous for you. Unfortunately, a lot of adults and parents do not have that knowledge nor that skill set. And so it makes it harder, you know, perhaps they have a spouse that isn't receptive and doesn't really care and is off all the time. So you are lucky to have that, but it doesn't discount your experience being a new mother who previously loved her independence and who previously was able to have all the meantime in the world. So you mentioned before not feeling like you could connect with anybody really other than family. And that makes it hard these days, especially with social media and COVID. It's harder to just connect with people in person, but at the same time, a lot of people have found through COVID 
and just in general, that they can connect to other people online who are dealing with some similar situations. So what has that been like for you? If you have utilized that, if you've utilized social media platforms to connect with other new parents, have you done that? And what do you think about that? Yeah. And so, um, there is actually a Facebook group. It's real moms of Idaho. So it's based on just moms that are in Idaho and then in my area. And there are opportunities to get together for play dates, um, for just social, for just mom days, um, or even being able to kind of express our concerns. So like, if you are just like, oh no, my kid's sick or whatnot, being able to post that into the group and getting like tons of support of like how to like cope with it or kind of remedies and such like that is such a very powerful thing just because like I did create a lot of anxiety whenever my kids were sick or learning new things that I'm like I don't remember this development stage (laughs) like I don't remember this part so being able to kind of be vulnerable enough to um post my concerns allowed for that response from my support system so that um, it helped me. Um, and so I think that was a big thing too, was being able to feel okay with being vulnerable and asking for help as a mom. Because I think that was why I like I liked this group a lot, was just that they would tell, support each other, that like, it's okay, you're a mom, we're here for each other. And just the words is just what we needed. Um, versus like, I don't, sometimes that may not be understood from like family type of thing. Well, I, I love that and appreciate your confidence to be able to assert yourself, uh, to be able to get your needs met with, with your family, with your husband and with others. Um, and I think a lot of women struggle with that, with being able to feel like they can get their needs met. Where, where do you feel like you get the confidence to be able to do that? How do you do it? Um, I don't know. <laughs> I think, I think honestly, I think being in the mental health field um, and then experiencing my own um, history of childhood trauma from like just simple neglect or abandonment from my parents because they did work a lot from being, um, you know, immigrants, they had to work. And so me experiencing that as a child allowed me to have that insight that um, I've always wanted to make sure that I was going to be there for my kids and support them. And um, we always had one parent home with them. So the idea of having that experience and then being able to kind of realize like when I do see my kids and they have a reaction to me when I lose my patience, I'm like, oh no, like that kind of reminds me of me. Like, oh, and like, so then I kind of have to step back and be like that. It was something big that I've always wanted to advocate for was making sure that, um, that trauma wasn't going to be repeated into my kids, even if it's like mild or whatnot, that feeling of neglect and abandonment or just feeling like they're not good enough or whatnot was not going to be replayed. So I think that's- oh, Yeah, I think that's great, great feedback. And that is that you've, you've learned from your past. And, and one thing I appreciate about you is you're willing to take the risk to be able to just say it for what you need and what you want. And that as a as a therapist and a woman is you're, you're strong and you're independent and empowered, uh, which is a great asset uh, as for your kids. It's gonna change that pattern of your family um, and also change the pattern of, of your relationship with your husband uh, and yourself. So that's, that's great. Cause I, I think that's just a big asset to be able to bring to the therapy table, uh, just as a therapist to be able to offer those things to your clients. Um, and so Lauren, what are your, what are your thoughts about that? I think that this is a really important topic because I'm only 24. I'm an intern right now. I'm not married, nor do I have kids, but this exact conversation is what has kind of made me hesitant to be a mom in the future because it's a much bigger task than people are willing to talk about. So like Chris said, I appreciate you, Maria, having the courage and the confidence to come out and say these things that are considered taboo. So I think motherhood and parenthood in general is is very misconstrued or perhaps undervalued in the society today where there's a lot of pressure to work, especially as a woman, as that has improved over time, women in the workplace. And that said, I think 
if people choose to be parents, it's really important to be attentive to them. Like you mentioned, Maria, you still trying to find ways to make sure that there's always at least one parent in your guys's household while the other might be out and working. And I commend you for that. I think that's amazing because you learn from your experience. You learn from your neglect as a child that you don't want to put your own kids in that situation and that children shouldn't be put in that situation. So it's great that you're doing that. And at the same time, valuing your independence, valuing your personal time, because like you said before, you can't be as good of a mom if you don't take care of yourself. And we all know that a lot of women in society have probably felt pressure to be mothers, but they didn't really know themselves enough to understand that that's what they truly want. Or when they become mothers, they basically just completely completely neglect themselves for years just because they feel like it's what they're supposed to do. It's almost like being a good mom equals forgetting yourself and just absorbing your life and your kids. And the problem with that is that you lose yourself. Yes, you may be a good mom and yes, you're attentive to your children, but you're losing who you are and your abilities and your interests and your own desires kind of just go completely out the window. So what do you do once you're an empty nester? You're really not gonna have anything because your identity has been placed in your children and in being a mom. So that's why I think this conversation is important because if you don't watch yourself now, then you're putting yourself at risk for many years of loneliness and anxiety and depression because you've just completely neglected your own self. So it's really important to be attentive to your kids and to not neglect them, but it's also really important that you remain attentive to yourself and not neglect yourself. Oh, definitely. Yes. And I think that also too, is just like, um, generation wise, like my mom was really big, like you should be the one at home versus your husband. Um, that is definitely not a normal thing. And especially in my culture, um, and then being able to, then once I transitioned to being the full, like full-time mom, there was like high expectations of how I was supposed to run the household or preparations of dinner or all these things <laughs> for my husband. And so I also like, I think my relationship with my mom got strained during that period as well because I was advocating for myself that like, actually, my husband's definitely okay if there's no dinner like prepared. He actually comes home and prepare dinner once in a while, just depending on like where I'm at. And so that was a big thing too, being able to really advocate for my own family and our needs and having to really set these boundaries with family, even though that's like your mom, your dad. And so that was like, again, a very big, um, just a big strain in our relationship was they felt that I was trying to step away from this normal mom culture. And it was more like, actually, like I'm just a, creating a more safer and happier home long-term because I, like I said, empty nester like scares us where we don't want to get to a place where we're like, oh, I don't even communicate with my husband <laughs> or I don't even know what our interests are anymore because it's very much been focused on either a career or our kids. And so we were really big on making sure that we're still instilling like our interest into our household with our kids. So sports is very much normal. So like our kids are in soccer um, and that allows for me to meet other soccer moms and then for him to meet soccer dads or coaching or whatnot. So being able to really advocate for your own interests and bring it into the household allows for just like comfort, like being able to see me and like my husband play with a soccer ball while my kids are watching in such a big eye moment for them because they're like what my kid like parents are kids and like I think that is what we want to advocate is that we are still who we are like as kids and that like makes me really emotional because I see a lot of parents not behave that way then they're just like sitting back and just letting the kids be kids and I'm like what where is your inner kid like that's right. You know, one, one of the things I, I appreciate what you, what you guys are talking about or what you're talking about is it looks like you and your husband really sat down and came up with a game plan about what this was going to look like maybe before you got pregnant or maybe or while you had kids or something. Can you walk me through a little bit about that? Because that's what it looks like. Maybe I'm wrong about that. It looks, but it does look like you came up with an idea and you both agreed and you both implemented that because you're still doing sports, you're still doing yourself to still have a career you still have uh, this work you know family balance 
but there's been a game plan to be able to Im implement that. It doesn't look like it's by the seat of your pants. Yeah, <laughs> well, um, it was actually my last year of grad school that I decided to date my husband. So we've known each other actually throughout college, but I was kind of set that I was going to graduate and just be a single person or whatnot. Cause I was like, I'm building this career. I can't even imagine like getting married and having kids at this time. Um, and so, scary, right. And I was like, I'm so passionate about the field mental health that I was like, oh, I could see myself. I had options of getting my PhD or doing Peace Corps. Like there was so much I wanted to give with this field. But then I uh, ran, met him again. And then I was like, oh crap. <laughs> and so we, love. it's a good yeah. thing right yeah right well now yeah so we dated um he's again like uh wasn't at the same place uh, um educational wise and so that was also that challenge to navigating like I'm graduating soon I am not staying in Pocatello and he's like what and I was like so I was really advocating like you're either gonna move with me um back to Boise or you're staying here and so he chose to move um and then um, that's when we found out I was actually pregnant and that was also a very big taboo because my dad being a pastor and not being married before having kids was also really uh, more family drama but like for me and him it was like we talk about this we were like we've already kind of been through the young years that we knew what we wanted he um, grew up as a single mom because he lost his dad before he was actually born. So he never got the opportunity of having a, a dad. So him being a dad is like his world. And so the fact that like, I found someone that looked at kids as like, that is who our main love and focus is, is just like really helped making decisions. So um, I think we had our own battles. Of course we had, I think that's pretty normal in couples. And yeah, sure. right, and being with my family and whatnot didn't help his family as well because they were kind of both telling us what we need to do. And um, I think we just got to a point that we looked at our daughter and had to really decide what was best for her, not what our families needed. And that took like, that was the hardest part of having to put boundaries with our parents. And yeah, really I think individuation in young adulthood is really a tough thing to do. Um, especially when you're going against your culture, yeah. you know, you, you yeah. knew the consequences going into that. You knew it wouldn't just be a matter of you and your husband, you knew your parents were going to be involved in that too. Right. Yeah. And so I think that was kind of the big eye opening for us was that I didn't get a lot of cultural support. I didn't get a lot of family support. I didn't get any religious support. <laughs> and so like all of that, what I grew up as my foundation were even there on my, I felt like a, a really good news. Like, Oh, I was pregnant but nobody was there to celebrate with me in that way that it just like really um opened my eyes to the idea that it's more what's best for me and my and what's going to provide me the life that I want to be in where I could be authentic and not worried about judgment not worried about um obligations um and just again expectation how did and you do that I so many people struggle so much with the fear of uh, disappointing their mom and dad, the fear of being a embarrassment to the culture, uh, the embarrassment to the religion. How, where, where did you go inside of yourself or maybe within your marriage or with your husband? How, how did you do that? Where did you dig from to be able to create that outcome? Yeah, I think I relied a lot on my self-esteem. Um, I went back to kind of like the kind of person I was growing up. If I was getting all A's, part of like the top parts of high school, graduating really good in ISU, and then having all these rewards and successes, made it to master's, being the first generation making it to master's. Awesome. Like, I was like, what? Like, how can that be a negative thing of having a baby? And that changes like just everything or whatnot, or even marrying like interracial. So the fact that I didn't marry somebody in my own culture too. And then, I, yeah, so me and him being able to look at our successes and being like really proud of ourselves because we felt like we raised ourselves. And so the fact that people now have an opinion after we've succeeded because of this one choice is just like, what? That is not healthy at all. And so we were, again, being able to really look at ourselves and being like, 
telling what our worth is. So once we are able to explore that and identify our worth to be happy and to be together, it's like, there's really no other option <laughs> of choice. I, I think, again, it's, it's, it's amazing in some ways, um, no offense to you, but there's just so many other young adults who struggle with this, these big decisions. And, and to dig deep and look at your own personal self and see your own value with inside of yourself, as opposed to the values of the outside sources, which is mom, dad, God, religion, and all those things that you're digging inside yourself, you're determining inside yourself what, who you are, where you're at, what you want, as opposed to what everybody else wants for you. Um, good for you, good on you on that, uh, because the outcome of that appears to be very positive where you feel comfortable inside of yourself and comfortable in your marriage, even though it wasn't perfect based on what the culture or parents expected. Right. So how, how's that going with your parents and, and the culture? Um, we actually talked about this like recently because we're noticing um, there's like a, a glue. Like we feel like our daughter is now the glue in my family. Um, and it's not just with my parents, it's with my siblings. Like she is so, um, she's going to try and get emotional. Um, she's so um, kind and she loves her cousins that she actually reunites like her cousins, which then puts us having to be in the same room together. And she is just filled of love. And so I think for us, we're like, oh, like this is the person you hated. This is the person you guys shamed before you guys even got to know her. And so we were just kind of laughing at each other, like, look, we've made it. Like, like we can have more kids because we just felt really more confident in our own, like, um, advocating and for her. And now that we get to see her in her true light is like, oh, like really shocking. Because then we talk about, imagine if we had that type of support growing up, where would we be in our life? if we just had our parents on our side and advocated for our needs in the way that was best for us versus what the parents wanted. Yeah, you learn boundaries very well. Like Chris was talking about, it's amazing that you have been able to set the boundaries with your parents, especially in a culture where religion and marriage and all of that is so important. So with the whole boundary aspect, kind of going back to as an adult, making friends and having difficulties with that, you think about someone like my age, for example, being 24 and still being in college, it's easier for me to make friends, but that doesn't mean I'm going to go and make friends with everybody. It doesn't work like that. And especially in high school, you know, you have the opportunity to make more friends versus a stay at home mom, like in her thirties or whatever. Um, but high schoolers aren't going to be friends with everybody. They have their specific type. They have their groups that they like to hang around and they're attracted to different personality types. So how have you applied boundaries in finding friends just so that out of desperation, you're not just like letting anyone into your life out of desperation or loneliness. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So I think being a minority actually helped with that. So the fact that I was naturally different growing up here that I didn't feel like I had to uh, or follow any of the, like the rules or social boundaries that was kind of naturally created generation wise. And so I connected to people who understood where I was coming from or this um, just wanting to um, have fun or not very judgmental. Um, I think that was like the biggest challenge was even though I was prom queen, I didn't really hang out with the popular girls or like that was my choice. They, were, they weren't my first choices because they were not very nice. Like that's not who I was going to hang out with. I hanged out with people who was more isolated, who um, was being more judged. They weren't into sports, but they were a lot more artistic and I was into art. And so I think that was the thing is I hung out with like the more like the dance people, the more and when I say dance, it's more like hip hop. So people who are into that type of interest or art or drama I, or band, because I also was in piano. So, or me being connected with something that wasn't expected of me because of how I looked is also a big thing or because I was an athlete. So like that helped me a lot being a minority because I already knew I wasn't going to be easily accepted that I kind of, I think I created the type of self-esteem for such a young age that I was never going to follow the normal 
that was just like a, a very combative thing of me. But if you expect this out of me, I don't think you're going to get it. You're probably going to get something better or something different, but do not expect what you sh I should be. And that helped me just being a minority. And so I think that just helped in college as well. Cool. So meeting these other soccer moms, you're not kind of pining for a connection with them or a relationship with them. You, you had developed a sense of self and you knew who you were. So you were kind of just maybe hoping to make a connection with the soccer moms, for example, like, you know, remaining yourself, remaining aligned and hoping that someone would receive that and would reciprocate that same energy, thus creating a connection. Like you wanted it to be more organic and not forced. Right. And I think I'm a big advocate on that with my kids too, is that you don't want to force yourself onto another kid just because you guys are kids and you want to play. It's mm -hmm. like, you kind of feel the room and just feel how they are. And then you guys easily inch together. Then all of a sudden you guys are like talking and then you guys are friends. Um, and so um, the idea how that helped with like soccer moms was, it was the moms that were also cheering for their kids. So I was a big cheering. Like I was just like super loud with my kids. So it was the next mom that was also like cheering that we became just like a cheer squad. And so being able to cheer for each other's team or each other's kid allowed for us to instantly like gravitate towards each other versus like other parents who were just sitting in the back and like on their phone and just waiting for the kids to be done playing. And we even, and so I think that was kind of just like, I gravitate is just people who are going to just cheer, like naturally happy to be there for their kids. That's who I want to be around. And I, I think this is a piece of your personality and that is something that is called risk-taking. You're willing, you're willing to put yourself out there and take that risk uh, to, so there's the choice of, of hanging out and being anxious, angry, depressed, you know, upset, if it's postpartum, that's a separate issue, but this is more of a situational uh, position that I think a lot of people fall in the rut of, and, and that is that, you know, I, I can't really do anything, I'm, I'm not really good enough, uh, the, letting the feelings of inadequacy take over, versus this risk that you have, and that is your capacity and willingness to do it, and that is, I am going to make myself, you know, I, there, there's the other cheerleader uh, uh, mom on the side, I could be that person sitting in the background or I can take the risk to go and find and talk with that person and cheer with them. And so can you talk to me a little bit about that kind of that way in between taking the risk versus being not taking the risk? How does that work inside of your mind? I would have to um, say that it's kind of like from my religious upbringing. I think a lot of that um, being able to be taught at such a young age of just strength by another person, just that there is a plan for you, that this is not how it's supposed to be, that it's supposed to be your motivation, your grit, and um, because you're provided all these resources and all this life, right. but yet you're not using the abundance of it. Like, you know, it's the idea of like just the creating the fruit on the tree. Like you need to be creating your own fruit versus just waiting for this tree to just develop on your own. Like it's just that great, honestly, I think from just my religious background is like you're given life. Like that's exactly right. That, that was appreciate beautiful. life. What, what is your religious background? Can I ask what that is? Yeah, so it's um, Methodist. Methodist. And so in the Methodist church within the focus of your family, is that they taught you how to have grit and not and to go after what life has to offer as opposed to just take the problems that are happening in your life and making them to be your guiding light, guiding diminished light of right. yeah hate, yeah because again like, right like Protestants is very based on um, just the good works or good um, what you do and so you always want to put good back into the life because the idea is that world is that you came into is are really ugly and really bad. And so you as a person are supposed to um, embody this goodness and love from, you know, God and whatnot. And like, you're supposed to be that church and be that what you learn in church from the Bible. And so I was always taught that I was the church. And so me being able to like open up and like be my, my authentic self, I'm also modeling to someone else so they can also do that too, without That's empowering correct, yeah. it on them. 
And so I think that is just my religious like foundation is that I am that change that I can be for others. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that's been a, a significant piece for you with being able to, to take, you're, you're not a victim of the circumstances that you're in, whatever they may be, um, and that you're willing to put yourself out there uh, to, to be able to take that risk, to be able to move forward based on a belief inside of yourself. And I think that's what makes you a great therapist, just so you know, is that you, you have a, a model inside of yourself that you're driving yourself from, uh, a position to be able to help other people out. Uh, because I, I don't think not everybody has been taught that, uh, those, those philosophies. I don't think they're necessarily specifically one religious philosophy. I think they're, they're kind of a universal how to be happy philosophy um, as, as opposed to the victim or martyr stance that so many people take um, and, and how to be independent and empowered. Uh, so I'm, I, yeah, I think that's just great. I think it's great. Because uh, it's so, so, so easy for so many people who are struggling with have, being new moms is, is the martyrdom uh, position of blaming you know, uh, everyone, uh, I guess, while blaming themselves, martyr and then victim is blaming everyone else and getting stuck in the loop of that of anger, anxiety, depression. And so there's just the, the correlation with those things. And then, uh, but versus having this outlook that you have, uh, which is great that I can do this on my own. I'm, I have grit, I'm gonna make it happen. I'm gonna innovate, create, motivate. That's my statement. I'm gonna innovate, create, motivate. Uh, and, and how to be able to keep the glass half full as opposed to half empty. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think it helps that we're not really connected to a specific system. Like we don't really practice any religious affiliation. In, um, right now, like our kids aren't baptized. Um, my husband didn't grow up in a church. Um, and so I think for us as we've kind of are disconnecting ourselves from like specific systems and creating our own system that works for us. Uh, and allowing other factors to come into our system. And so I think that helps a lot too, is that we just don't wanna be, again, obligated from other like systemic perspective. Yeah, some outside source, you're, you're discovering it yourself um, and you feel confident inside of yourself. And you guys as a, as a couple have come, come up with that. It seems like you're like-minded with those, those types of ideas. Um, just a great, great interview. Thank you for coming on our podcast. Uh, what, what do you want to, uh, what do you see that, that you can offer as support to the uh, types of clients that you're looking for to, to be able to come in your practice here? Yeah, um, so I mean, with my personal experience, um, being able to just connect emotionally with my clients, um, I feel like there's a great connection report naturally. And so being able to trust each other in that level and feeling understood allows for this comfort to be more vulnerable so that we can st start talking about just really the fear that's really holding us back. Because I think that is like a big common thing that I see a lot of my clients is there's a big fear or judgment that they're worried about that keeps them from taking that next step. And, and so um, being able to connect in a vulnerable state allows for that to come out more open and being able to be a little bit more motivated for change. But I think that allows for that connection with my clients. It's just what, that understanding. What kind of clients do you like to work with? Um, I, teenagers, young adults are kind of my forte. But since I became a mom, um, it has been um, like couples has been like just when they're hitting that midlife crisis or empty nester feel. And so being able to, cause I'm really big on prevention. So being able to focus on that group allows me to provide this or like the teen and young adults allow me to help develop this prevention for them. And then for adults or empty nesters, um, being able to um, kind of, I guess to like develop this renewing feeling of like what their interests were and being able to bring a little bit back from their childhood is also a very fun like adventure for me and the client um, because there's so much, again, like so much kid in you. You can't just ignore your like 18 yeah, years of being a kid. Absolutely. And then as soon as you open that kid part, it's like, oh, <laughs> like this whole different um, energy comes out of them. And so I think my age also helps with that navigation as well 
because I look like I'm young, but I'm like, I have so much life like experience. <laughs> so then I'm able to connect with my younger clients, but then yep. being able to be married in a very, I think a successful marriage and um, kids and being a parent allows for me to kind of connect with my older adults as well. Yeah, I, I think that you have uh, quite a gift. I, I know Maria now for three months and she's been with, with us and we've had quite a few interactions and she's uh, a marvelous uh, therapist. And the, the feedback I get from your clients, just so you know, because I talk to them sometimes, is, uh, <laughs> give me that look. <laughs> it's the, actually the opposite. It's like, eek, she's giving me the eek look. Uh, but but the, uh, it's actually the opposite. And, and that is, uh, I think you connect with people of all ages and uh, of different faiths and of different uh, positions um, within the within the scope of LGBTQ plus and within uh, really understanding and having kind kind heart. But also, uh, I I love it that you have a model inside of your mind about where you're going and how to help people, uh, and that's that's actually very significant because uh, I don't think that you're just winging it. I think that you're a very personable person and people feel that from you. Um, and I, I think that it's important that people uh, know that about Maria. And, and one, one thing that I love that you said is, is I understand grit. Uh, and that is, that is such a big deal with being able to survive life in 2022. Um, understanding your morals, your values, your, your dreams, your aspirations and with grit, and that you're, you're positive and you're moving forward in a direction that's gonna be healthy for you your children and your family based on your own personal values that are encompassing your culture and encompassing your parents, but not necessarily being dictated by them. Uh, I think that is just awesome. Uh, I, I appreciate you being a part of our team. And uh, I thanks for coming on the podcast today. I think this worked out great. Lauren, I appreciate your participation in the podcast today. Uh, Taya wasn't able to make it, uh, but she'll be with us next time. And uh, so thank you so much. We'll wrap up. Okay. Yes, yeah. Thank, Yay, you. thank you. All right. Thanks for listening in and learning with us today. If you have any questions, podcast suggestions, or would like to set up a therapy appointment at our office, please give us a call at 208-403-0135. Send us an email to klwaidaho at gmail.com or visit us on our website at eastidahotherapy.com. If you'd like to learn more about Christopher Walton's book, Navigating Your Mind, Achieving Life of Peace, Joy, and Happiness, please go to eastidahotherapy.com book. Again, thanks for listening in, and we hope you join us on the next episode.